from KQED. You're listening to Queued Up. I'm Ryan Levy. I love baseball, and I haven't been able to get to many games since I moved out to the Bay Area. But this week, I was able to go to a Giants game, and it was amazing. I mean, to me, it just doesn't get much better than watching a baseball game on a beautiful day surrounded by people I love. And it put me in the perfect frame of mind to just devour this interview you're about to hear. It's between KQED's Brian Watt, who I actually ran into at that Giants game this week, and baseball historian Galen White. Now, before the non-baseball fans just delete this episode, I want to say this isn't just a baseball interview. It's also about race and Oakland. You see, back in 1949, a ball player named Artie Wilson became the first black player to play in the Pacific Coast League. And he did it for the Oakland Oaks. All too often we uh, simplify things to where we credit Jackie Robinson, who, by the way, deserves every bit of credit he deserves for breaking the color barrier. But throughout baseball, there were... In 1949, I think there was 59 minor leagues, over 500 cities with uh, baseball teams. There was a color barrier to break everywhere you went in baseball. All Jackie did uh, was, you might say, break the big kahuna. He did it in Montreal in terms of the minor leagues in 1946 and then with the Dodgers in 47. There's no question that Jackie paved the way for everyone else. But Artie faced the same challenges that Jackie Robinson did. He was the first black to play for the Oakland Oaks. He was the first black to play for the Seattle Rainiers. He was the second black to play for the San Diego Padres. So all along the way, Artie was breaking barriers. Hmm. So when Artie showed up to play for the Oakland Oaks team, what was the team like at that time? It was a lily white. (laughs) Uh, This was 1949. Um, the only black on the team, there was one player who uh, refused to play with Artie, and the Oaks uh, released him, sent him down to Class B, which was a huge demotion. Uh, he wound up retiring from baseball. Billy Martin stepped forward and said, uh, I'll room with Artie. So Artie Wilson and Billy Martin were roommates in 1949. Huh. And Billy Martin didn't just room with him. Billy Martin actually took him to a restaurant in Portland in another famous episode in Artie Wilson's life. Yes. Uh, Artie, uh, he could have coined the phrase, you can observe a lot just by watching. Artie often uh, would get up early of a morning, whatever city he was playing in, and he'd walk around and he was a dapper dresser. So he was well-dressed walking around the streets of a city early in the morning. And he would observe, you know, what restaurants were serving blacks, what weren't. And he had seen in Portland that there was this popular restaurant downtown that, uh, There were no blacks going in that place. So Artie knew what to expect when, after a game one night, they went there with Billy Martin and Jackie Jensen and a couple of other players. Uh, They were seated, uh, and they were at the table for about a half hour, and they hadn't gotten any service. And another half hour passed, still no service. And Billy Martin called over the manager, and uh, Billy was ready to start fisticuffs right there. Hmm. Uh, Artie talked him out of it and said, "Uh, Billy, let's go, let's go. And they finally did leave, and... uh, Already went someplace else uh, with the players to eat that uh, would serve him. What were Artie Wilson's skills as a baseball player? What what was he good at? 
Hitting was his masterpiece. He felt so long as he had a bat in his hand, he was in control. And, of course, he had hit in the Negro Leagues off Satchel Page. The first time he hit uh, face Satchel Page, he hit a double. Uh, he's on second base. Satch turns around, walks back to him and says, Heard a lot about you, young buck. Why don't you just sit down there because you're not going anywhere. And Satch <laughs> struck out the next three hitters. He also was part of the Satchel Page All-Stars that traveled from the East Coast to the West Coast playing the Bob Feller All-Stars. Huh. This was essentially a white All-Star team for Bob Feller, and then uh, Satchel Page was an all-black team. Uh, Artie hit Bob Feller as well as he did anybody else, and on the same team with Bob Feller was the premier knuckleballer at that time, Dutch Leonard. He hit Dutch Leonard as well, so he hit the fastballer, he hit the knuckleballer. Whatever you threw at Artie, he was going to hit. He was a master with the bat. Artie Wilson eventually did make it to the big kahuna, and it was with the New York Giants. And his career at this point intersected with another pretty famous baseball player in these parts, Willie Mays. How's that story yes. go? Well, uh, Willie and Artie, of course, were teammates in the Black Barons in 1948. Artie uh, hit 402 that year, and uh, Willie called that the best hitting lesson he ever got was watching Artie hit 402. Willie, of course, uh, signed with the uh, Giants and was uh, with Minneapolis and American Association hitting 477 uh, in late May, uh, 100 points higher than the next uh, top hitter in the league. Artie was uh, with the Giants. Uh, Leo DeRozier, the manager of the Giants, loved Artie. He considered him the best utility man in baseball. He uh, acknowledged that if he were with any other team, that he would be the starter at shortstop. The Giants had Alvin Dark, an all-star at shortstop. They had Eddie Stinky at second. Both were experienced and entrenched ballplayers. Artie was not playing every day. In fact, in his time with the Giants, he started only one game. He was making the major league minimum, which was roughly $6,000. In Oakland, he was making double that. Hmm. He also was playing every day, and again, because he considered hitting his masterpiece and that he had to play every day to kind of keep that masterpiece sharp, uh, he wanted to be in the lineup. So he went to Leo DeRozier and said, Leo, send me down to the minors and bring Willie up. Artie knew more about Willie Mays than any of the Giants because he played with him every day there in 1948. So that's how Artie uh, Wilson wound up back in the minors and Willie Mays wound up in the majors, and that's how Artie became the answer to the trivia question, who was sent down when they brought Willie Mays up to the majors. Artie uh, would tell you that in terms of breaking the color barrier, Jackie Robinson was the right man. Branch Rickey made the right choice because Jackie had played sports at UCLA and he'd been in the military, whereas Artie uh, grew up in Birmingham and had had limited experience uh, had mingled very little with white people. So Artie uh, credits Branch Rickey with making the right choice there. But at the same time, he would tell you, I was the better shortstop. And he was. One of the other things I like to point out that we haven't covered yet yeah. is that Artie did everything that we've talked about without the top part of his right thumb. And that was his throwing hand. He had a nub there. Uh, it was The uh, top part was cut off in a machine shop accident when he was 18 years old playing for the Birmingham Industrial League. Before the Giants had their say hey kid in Willie Mays, a team in Sacramento had Artie Wilson, the Hey Hey Kid. In 1957, Artie uh, played with Sacramento, and there they nicknamed him Mr. Hey Hey 
because he would always yell. He was a chatterbox in the infield, and he would always yell, hey, 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 and chew bubblegum. <laughs> um, what's interesting about his time in Sacramento, that was the end of his career. In 1949, when he broke into the Coast League with the Oaks, uh, his biggest tormentor in the league was a fan in Sacramento. He called him the N-word. He yelled at Sacramento pitchers to throw at Artie's head. They did not. Every kind of uh, verbal abuse you could hurl at Artie, he did. In 1957, this fan was still in Sacramento, but now he was Artie's biggest booster. And when Artie got hurt and had to retire from baseball, he injured his eye. This fan organized Artie Wilson Appreciation Night. And that speaks to the effect that Artie Wilson had on people. His whole view of the racial climate at that time was, I can't change it. I can control my response to it. And that's what he did. He controlled his response, and he allowed his bat to do his talking on the field. When he was on the playing field, Artie Wilson was the equal of any pitcher. He was the equal of any man, black or white. And I think that's why he loved to play baseball and why he loved to spend as much time on the playing field as possible, because uh, he was equal to everybody on the baseball field. Galen White, author of Singles and Smiles, How Artie Wilson Broke Baseball's Color Barrier. Thanks so much. Brian, thank you for having me, and uh, I hope you feel better after this interview. I always feel better after talking about Artie Wilson. He lifts me up. Thanks to Brian Watt and Nina Thorson for producing that interview. To see a photo of the great Artie Wilson, head over to KQED News on Instagram. If you're digging the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That would be great. Or just shoot us an email at queuedup at kqed.org. That's Q-E-D-U-P at K-Q-E-D dot O-R-G. I'm Ryan Levy. Have a good week. First love is a magical thing. For the first time, you feel like you found the person who truly understands you, who completes you. But what if years after you went your separate ways, that first love committed a crime, and you were asked to help in their defense? Find that story on the latest episode of The Leap, KQD's podcast about people making life-changing decisions. One more time, that's The Leap, and you can find it wherever you find the rest of your podcasts.